You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 301st edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 959th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of July 27, 2023. I'm your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment happened on Tuesday when Anthony Walker uh, arrived on campus. Uh, his arrival means that the 2023-24 squad is together for the first time. Of course, there's always a chance for a late addition to the team with extra scholarship that is available. However, having the team together allows the coaching staff to start evaluating the team as a whole, figuring out what every player can do, who plays well in what positions, and what aspects of team play need to be addressed the most. Anthony's arrival also signals that we are getting closer to the start of the school year and practice. Yes, I said practice, beginning in earnest. Summer work is so vital for individual and team growth. So the squad is present. Let's get to work on meshing this team together to maximize all this talent. Okay, now let me introduce my uh, co-host for this week. Jared is off this week. His daughter is celebrating the seventh birthday. Ryan is somewhere on Twitter fighting with Jay Horry over the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. And Andy is... uh, he was going to get here, but uh, a soccer uh, match for one of his daughters uh, lasted a little bit long, and he will not be able to be here. But we do have a special guest from our community has coached youth basketball for 24 years in the Columbus, Indiana area, most recently in the Columbus Revolution program and at Parkside Elementary. It's Bob Motes. Coach Motes, how are you this evening, and what is on your mind about Indiana basketball? I am I am great. I'm uh, wearing the shirt here because earlier in the day there was a conversation in you know some place that I had with uh, with Jared and he and he you know I I mentioned something and a bunch of us and I said something to the effect of if this team isn't is not a tournament team I am the doppelganger of Tom Selleck from the '80s <laughs> and he asked me to put on a Saturday shirt which I have several and I've decided in honor of of, of that request to wear the IU Saturday shirt. It's got all sorts of fun stuff on it. Um, the five banners are here, and you know, just uh, just just thought you know, and that it's also indicative of the fact that it's almost that this is the last show in July. It's almost August. We go back to school in seven days. A lot of other districts are back you know, through high school. The kids will be back on the college campuses in mass in about two three weeks, and that just means basketball is right around the corner. Like you were saying, we're ready to you're, we're ready to go. I'm ready to start hearing some balls. You know, some 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 more. Some balls hitting hardwood and in unison. Absolutely. And in order to do that, you need Big Ten Media Day for football, which was held uh, the last two days. So yep. the, the, the gridiron is, is just around the corner in a couple of weeks, which then leads to, to basketball. So we hope that the Indiana Hoosiers and all of their transfer portal additions uh, will 
find a way to get that magical six wins. Uh, uh, Tom Allen spoke uh, earlier today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means, again, it's just uh, it, it's getting closer. And in these summer uh, sessions, we hope to bring you enough information to keep you uh, informed and, and just give you a little bit of taste uh, of of what's going to happen. And and Bob and I have an interesting segment, too, where we're going to go through the roster and try to give you some uh, uh points that aren't as obvious about the the players and the team going forward. And we hope you enjoy that, but here's what we have in store this week. Uh, We have a a very few Hoosier headlines, but we'll go over them in segment one. And then in segment two, as I said, player by player strengths and weaknesses, we'll talk team offense and defense as well. Uh, And then we have uh, some good questions, four good questions from our community in segment three in the mailbag. All of that is coming up this week on assembly call radio. And now let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Home field apparel, for the team. This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison and so many more. The bottom line is that Homefield has something for fans and grads of pretty much every school with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it'll be comfortable. The colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through the Kelly School of Business. What could be better than that? They come out with some new IU stuff. Uh, they're coming out with new schools, uh, refreshing uh, the schools they've already had. Mystery box sweatshirts, if you're into that uh, you know, the discounted price, and they'll send you something that you don't even know is coming. Uh, they do it well at Homefield. So go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME for 15% off your entire first order. So if you haven't used it yet, that's HOME, promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, here are some Hoosier headlines. And as Bob said, we're, we don't have a whole lot of go- what's going on, but Anthony Walker did make it to campus. He had to finish up some academics. Uh, he, he is here. Uh, he came Tuesday and, and is starting to play. Um, we, I, I'm going to totally mispronounce uh, this recruit's name, and that's really bad of me, but I think it's a Nor Boating. Uh, if that's wrong, I will f- correct that. Um, but he, he put IU in its top eight. So, again, Indiana is making a lot of these lists. I think that's a good sign. Caleb Banks spoke with the media this week uh, for a few minutes. And then uh, former IU player and coach Mike Roberts was hired uh, as an assistant at North Carolina State. He was at Cincinnati for a couple years after leaving uh, Indiana uh, when Mike Woodson um, uh, was hired. So congratulations to coach Mike Roberts. Always loved watching him coach and yell uh, on the bench. Uh, I wish him nothing uh, but the best. Bob, anything stand out to you of those headlines or anything else that you have heard that we want to share with our listeners this evening? Just, just know the guys are practicing and working their tails off on a day, on a day-to-day basis. And um, again, I was going to echo how, how, how glad I am for Mike Roberts getting, going to North Carolina state and, you know, just, just getting that, that bump up to a, to the power five and back into high majors for him to, hopefully continue his coaching career as it, as it, as it progresses. 
Yeah, I think he wanted to stay, and I, I think Coach Woodson wanted him to stay, but at that time there was not a, a spot for him, Mm-mm. and he had worked with Wes Miller, who was the head coach then uh, at Cincinnati, and so he had an opportunity to get back as an assistant coach with active coaching. Now, since then, I think they've added assistant coaches who can work with the team and coach, maybe not travel. Um, so there's been some changes in the NCAA rules on what assistant coaches can do. That allowed North Carolina State and Coach Keats to offer the job uh, to Mike Roberts. But but we like seeing that, like you said, go to the to Power Five. Uh, Caleb Banks spoke to the media, and again, these are short, brief uh, moments, said all the right things. Interesting on how he is looking forward as a sophomore and with you, you, you have a lot of newcomers of trying to teach yeah. how things are done, and he's looking forward uh, to doing that. We'll talk a little bit more about Caleb. He brought up uh, some of the things that I think we're going to bring up uh, of what he can bring to the program. So that was uh, good as well. Uh, anything else on your mind here uh, it, for Hoosier headlines, Bob? No, I just, I, I just, I just think again, we're we're at a time of the year where it's it's going to be a little slow. But uh, the other thing I would like to add is just seeing all the official visits coming up in the next, you know, month. That we're going to be getting a lot of word out of Bloomington and wherever you find, you know, that information as those visits are going and what the kids are saying before, during, and after. It's it's going to be an interesting time, and a lot of groundwork has already been laid, and a lot of that that first level stuff, second level stuff. We're getting closer and closer to some kids in that 2024 class, especially saying, okay, I'm ready to make a decision. And coach, I'm coming here. I'm going there. I I will point out that, um, you know, go to our friends at Inside the Hall. They're they're doing some non-conference previews. If you haven't been there already to to see what uh, some of the teams on Indiana's non-conference schedule and the women's non-conference schedule is also starting to take place. I think there's as many as seven games uh, that have been announced for our lady Hoosiers uh, as they get ready to uh, advance their program, which is which is on fire. So, okay, coming up on Assembly Call Radio, uh, we're going to discuss some player evaluations from a couple guys who haven't seen them work this summer, which is always good. But we have our opinions nonetheless, so stick with us here on the Assembly Call. <laughs> Welcome everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in late July, uh, on a, on a real slow, slow news week. Uh, but hopefully Bob and I, um, will interest you in some, some player evaluations, um, coming up. So we're glad, glad that you're here. Um, in my new renovated, uh, Indiana themed man cave, I, I got the IU basketball shorts over here outside of camera view. You can see the Football jerseys in the back. Probably should get them under glass at some point, uh, but that's too expensive for this teacher right now to do. But uh, we're we're renovating three floors, um, flooring and painting, and we're doing the painting ourselves. And so uh, that's a little bit of news. But it feels it feels really good down here. Um, Change it up a little bit. So that's exciting news on my my behalf. Uh, and as you said, school starts for you uh, very soon. It's uh, August 7th for me, so I have another week off before uh, we have to be in for teacher days and students on August 9th. And the all, one, I like what I do, but it's closer to basketball season. So um, mm-hmm. we got that going for us. So, all right, let's get into um, our um, our discussion of the roster. Here we go.
Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of the Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers! Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. I'm here with Coach Bob Motes, and we're getting ready to go right down the roster. And we're just going to talk about things that we like and things maybe the players might need to be concerned about or, or what's some room for improvement from our eyes from afar. As we said, we're, we're, we're not in practice. But we want to stay away from some of the obvious things that have been said over and over here in the offseason and maybe give you a couple things to think about uh, for the roster and a couple things to watch as we start laying our eyes uh, mid-October, uh, early November on this Indiana uh, basketball team. So let's start right now, Bob, with Xavier Johnson. Uh, you can go with uh, the non-obvious positive or something you think uh, you would be concerned about coaching uh, Xavier Johnson going forward. The 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 it's it's incredible. It, maybe it is obvious, but yeah, you know, I think the most obvious thing about it is you get a guy who's played six years of high major college. You know, this will be his sixth year of high major college basketball, leading your team of freshmen and sophomores, basically with, you know, Galloway, different ball game, but you know, you're talking, you got, you got a bunch of freshmen and sophomores and you've got, you know, the steady veteran or you get the veteran at the helm. And I think, you know, his year last year, sitting next to the coaches, sitting next, you know, sitting on the bench, allowed him to see the game from a different perspective, a perspective he's never seen before because he's always been out on the court. Um, my The thing about his – the thing I always was found interesting about XJ, that first year and even a little bit in the second one, the thing that I – his ability to see, I would say, the whole floor – I think he makes incredible reads on level one, which is ball handler moves going, you know, going. I think he does incredibly well with level two moves of what to do with that person who's rolling. My question is, without Trace Jackson Davis feeding in there, knowing that Ware will renew both in particular, even Mbako a little bit, Sparks at times, all those guys are going to have some moments, you know, are going to be really good, are going to be really good. It's going to be different than Trace Jackson Davis. What what is he? Is he going to be able to see the level three actions? Is he going to be able to see those the other players on the court, and then when the help when the tag rotates over, hitting that player like Trey Galloway or CJ Gunn out on the perimeter, looking for the off big that's not the screener, you know, in the dunker spot. Will he? You know, is he is he going to be better at that element of the game? And it's really for him. This is the best team he's ever played on. Bar, you know, I think bar none. When you think of those three years at Pitt, even the first two years at Indiana, you know, position, you know, one through five went on the floor. This is going to be the most talented team he's played on. The question is, how is he going to respond to that? You know, you you match up with with what I would work really hard on him is um, being that facilitator. And you put it in 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 the one, two, and three. But he, if he embraces the facilitator role over a scoring role. He's going to get his points because he's going to come off and score at the rim. He's going to get some kick-out threes. Uh, I'm comfortable with his scoring output. But when X, if we can remember when X was really good, was that end of that first year he was a Hoosier, mm-hmm. and he was getting seven, eight, nine assists. 
Now, he only did that for like five or six games, I think, or there was a stretch of play at the very back end. as the back third of the season, and including the Big Ten tournament when Indiana went on the roll to the, to the semifinal um, and, and really made the tournament with, with that. So that was my thing, too, that I would work on him is seeing that floor as a facilitator. And, and you mentioned you know, see, watching from the bench. I know Coach Woodson trusts his point guard sometimes to call stuff, and, and uh, now he has a better handle on that, I would imagine. But that's something mm-hmm. I think you need to work on. The thing I'm going to bring up that I really like that I don't know is obvious, I think he's a pretty good defensive rebounder from the point guard position. Mm-hmm. And, and Indiana struggled, I, in my opinion, rebounding the basketball. And, and tonight and, and throughout the start of the season, you're, it, it's going to be, you know, um, I'm going to beat that in over and over and over again about mm-hmm. how Indiana is going to be better rebounding team, and that's going to help their defense, and that's going to help their transition offense, which we're going to talk a little bit about too. I think something that sometimes we get caught up in the pick and roll and, and, and the points and the three points and his defensive pressure, but I think X is um, a pretty solid rebounder and, and will help overall uh, rebounding. Let's move on to Trey Galloway. Um, you, your thoughts about Trey? What, what strengths would you really um, bring up, and, and what's something that you would uh, work with, or be can, you know be somewhat uh, concerned about with Trey's play? I, I think I think Trey is a great example of a secondary driver, and I think that you know, and you look at them both, you know, on the on the offensive end of the floor. Um, well, well, XJ and Ware might be doing one thing. You may have Trey on that other side with Mbako or Renew, ready to set up and you know can can run some sort of ball screen action. Whether it's you know a, you have a strong side shooter in the corner or you have whatever his ability to get to the lane and facilitate from there is is to me just a, a huge asset to the program. Um, I think the other thing defensively, this is the guy. This is your kid that gets on the floor. This is your kid that you know will dive into the other team's bench for a ball. This is your kid that will you know he's going to win the floor burns and practice award if you have those. You know it's that's that's where Trey Galloway you know jumps out at you. That and also and again just just really kind of understands the you know how the how the offense is supposed to flow, how the game's supposed to flow. What I'd love to see him be is just a touch more selfish, just a touch more selfish. Um, and you know, we're, you know, we, coaches, it drives us crazy when kids are too selfish, but it actually drives us, I think crazier when a kid isn't, you know, is like, I don't want to shoot it. Or I'm, I, I mean, n- no, we, you know, it's like, there's a point where man, it's your time. And if he can get his time. And again, I'm thinking Trey's probably a 20 minute a game player. I, I look at that as kind of that's where I'm seeing it's like if he goes to 24 or 28, I'm not too sure where we are as a program at that moment. There will be times where he will hit that, but I really see him kind of being, you know, in early game situations, even if he's a starter, certain situations, oh, kind of in, a, you know, in that second half. But I really do think that, you know, if he can just maybe again look for his shot a little more and, and be stronger with it, I'd like to see, you know, things like the floater would like to go away. I'd like to see more jump stop and, you know, step through type moves, that sort of thing. But um, that, and I think on the defensive end, just being a little more disciplined with his hands. Uh, that's the one thing I see with Trey. It's just, he's, it, it, it's good to be active, but it can be a thing of being a little too active with your hands. He's that glue guy. You know, he does everything, mm-hmm. you know, at, at, at full speed. Um, yes, I, I think, you know, what he does well defensively is he gets, he gets to people on the catch. 
They they assign mm-hmm. him. I, I want to th- think about the Purdue games. And, and when those guards caught the basketball, Galloway was there with his hand in the way, maybe a little too handsy, like you said. But he was there, which pushed those guards out three, four more feet, which disrupted the flow of the Purdue offense in both games. I think he's really good at avoiding screens and sprinting to the catch for the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensively, where I'd like to get have him get better is in that nail slot rim stuff that Woodson plays. He sometimes overcommits or stays too long in the mm-hmm. help, and he's got to learn to play a little bit of that game and get out and close out on the threes, which I think everyone needs to adapt to Coach Woodson's philosophy there, which you're in massive help, and so your job is to stay and then get out. Uh, and I think a lot of players, um, what I've read about that defense is that it is just so hard to to not stay because that driver is coming to anticipate when that – and you brought it up too. Um, he gets out of control a little bit on his run and jump passing. I'd love to see him have those playoff two feet, a two-foot game added to that. I know he scores a lot off the off-balance layups. That's good when he goes up. He looks a little awkward because he goes off the wrong foot and he lays it up or does a reverse. That's some talent there. But I think mm-hmm. adding to that game is that ability with that speed to bust in the lane, go off two feet. We call it Villanova pivots and pivot back mm-hmm. out and find a shooter uh, on a mm-hmm. European cut or a kick back from where he came from. Uh, add that to this game as opposed to only being able to fly in and either reverse layup or throw the ball to the opposite wing as he's jumping that baseline that baseline drift. Um, just just a moment. on uh, That moment of that nail slot rim construct, and I think it's it's true anytime you're in a help, uh, a help situation. And I also think it's important when we start talking about like tagging. I thought that that nail position is like it was almost like you're reversing the tag. That, that, that instead of tagging the screener, you're actually tagging the ball handler. And I think in so many situations, and I think they got better at this as the season the, the season progressed, but it's that whole thing where when, when you have that guy on the nail, you know, the ball's going to get stopped. You have help behind you. Your job is to basically force that position more east-west than north-south or maybe southeast or northwest versus you know that's you're trying to just kind of get you're buying your guy time to get through the screen and i think if if trey can kind of you i think you're right if he can figure that part out and then that quick close out to that to that to that slot wing position when the you know when when, when the ball handler gives it up that's going to be critical and i think we're going to talk about that and that's gonna be a key thing what we're talking about a little later but it's it's really where trey is at this point in time where it's like just not you know, you don't have to do it all, man. You don't have to do it all. So a newcomer probably into the starting lineup. We haven't seen a lot other than highlight tapes, and highlight tapes are always mm-hmm. going to show the good things, and that's McKenzie and Baco. So I'm just going to throw this out. Uh, obviously, um, he can score. Well, yeah. What I'm interested in seeing from him is is he, you know, I, I think he can get there on the drive. I think he can post. I think he can shoot how efficiently he can get there at the college game is really going to matter a lot to Indiana, but he is good at all of those, those things. My area that I want to see him be good at as quickly as possible is picking up coach Woodson's defensive stuff. I think for every superstar that comes in, whether you're ranked in the top 10 positioning off the ball is one of the toughest things to pick up because when you're scoring 20, 30 points a game, you know, wherever you're playing, you're probably not being asked to be a defensive stopper. And then when you come to college, you're going to have to play. So that positioning 
And then along with that is if we are playing him at the three, can he guard that three? Uh, I assume if Indiana chooses to play him there, they believe that and his athleticism. But those mm-hmm. are things, you know, that I think um, I, I would be working with him right away on. The other thing is just uh, just score. Come on, dude. Just just mm-hmm. we need you to be that guy to score at all different levels. Your thoughts on Mbako from what little we know. I'll jump offensive and then go defensively. I think you hit because I think you hit the main point, you know, the, the big point with him, which is okay, kid, you know, welcome, you know, welcome to the big leagues now. You know, you're you're gonna level up now. You know, you've been playing against kids your age or maybe a year older. Now you're playing against all you know, you're playing against men now. And it's it's gonna be a different feel. The the big thing for him offensively for me is can you know, I know he can drive. I know he can dive. I know he can cut. I know he can do a lot of. Th- I, I know he's not just a. He's not a six nine three point shooter. I know that. What I don't know at this point is can, how good is he going to be at, at 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 when the defense attracts to him. Can he make a play to get it to somebody else? Can he will how and especially at college game speed and how fast? Right now, probably not. But how fast is it going to take for him to pick up on that to be able to make more of those types of, of plays when help get when help side gets engaged, whether it's a bounce pass to the dunker spot or a kick out to an open shooter, that's going to be essential for him going through. I think defensively, I'm interested to see how he's going to leverage his length. That I think part of him is going to be where him as a three, first off, the three on the other team's got to guard him too. Right. <laughs> so it's like you put Ethan Morton on him. I, I'm not, you know, okay, post that kid up and just see what happens. Well, and that's what I said in the community when I, I showed the Furman play, you the, the chin punch or the, the 45 mm-hmm. cut, right? You could put him in spots where the bigs are on the outside and you can dive yep. him down against a smaller three and take advantage of that. That That is a plus when you have an athlete that can score outside or inside and is going to really play that three. You're right. It, it, it's he, yeah. So I mean, at this point, the next part is that defensive portion, which is okay. He doesn't have to be two steps away from the guy he's guarding with the ball. He can maybe be, too, you know, he can maybe take a step back and still be effective to challenge the shot because the 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 kid the 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 kid's built like a col- you know, built like some of those team centers, or at least built like a you know, built like a college four. College, you know, even at the height of a of a small school college, small ball college five, so he's got that you know, that some of that physique where okay, you know, and and again, even on the drive, it's like okay, you can drive on him, and if you're a six four guy and you're trying to go up off one foot for a layup, I have a feeling that thing might end up in the bleachers if you're not careful. So he, this, you know, I think defensively, it's going to be him kind of figuring out his body and how that's going to translate to the college game but i think a lot of it coaches i think you're dead on with the scheme he's got to figure the scheme out got to get that quick and it's like and then that's going to be i think a big key for him in those first two months is how much does he pick up in those in those in those buy in those buy games to be able to figure out okay you know this is what i this is what i'm supposed to be doing so then we go to malik renew uh who had a pretty good freshman year um we, we've talked about the fouling. Uh, I, here's the thing I think that he does well. I think he is a basketball player. I think he understands the game. I think the key thing is his passing. 
Uh, I think he could be a really good passer, and that's something that you know I don't think a lot about with Malik Renew because he's got his footwork is nice. You know, he's got some uh, up up and under moves uh, inside. The obvious thing that we've all talked about is can he stretch the floor and shoot? But he can be a passer if he can draw someone out a little bit where you can dive a Embaco or you can set a, a what I call a wiper screen, a big to a guard. Mm-hmm for a three point shot. Can he be an efficient passer from that four? Uh, I, I believe he can. The area that I would really work with him on is being more aware defensively and getting to spots quicker. I, I think some of the reasons the obvious foul trouble, uh, was because he was reacting to the speed of the game instead of, uh, being aware, anticipating and, and, and not letting the guy flash or when the guy flashed that he's there at that spot, and then understanding his body, like he's going to be strong enough to guard from a, a little bit of what we call gap or or space. He doesn't have to get all in. He was heavy with his chest. He's got to back his chest mm-hmm. off, be in a stance, use his length, uh, you know, six inches away from somebody. A lot of times freshmen come in, they think playing hard is getting right up in someone, especially in the post. Because they've mm-hmm. been able to dominate uh, like players, even at Mount Verde, with re- you play really good players, you're able to body up a lot, but you can't do that in college uh, because your hands mm-hmm. come down and all of those things. So, better awareness, uh, be alert to the ball, get to the position of the catch uh, before reacting, uh, and and then being more in a stance away from the guy and still be able to defend. That that would be my area um, for renew. Your thoughts on Malik? Yeah, you know, I was gonna. I was thinking all day passing with Renew. It's like his his high, and especially him in a high low game. So love that you hit that. I think the thing for me defensively that I think is is I think he's quicker on his feet than he shows. And I remember watching him again that you know the Miller kid from Miami and the struggles. I think he probably in the limited possessions that he guarded him probably handled him the best of any of IU's players with maybe the exception of Trace Jackson Davis. And I would say that Renew, by the, by that last game of the season, had figured out a little more about on-ball. I think the off-ball part is where, yeah, that, that that's where the, some of the struggle is. But I think he's figured out, he's, he's figuring out the speed of the game, and you can now see him being able to guard high-level, high-ability, high-major wings, or, you know, basically driving fours like Miller was from Miami. Um, I, I do think the other thing for him offensively though, what he really needs to work on is his ball handling, especially as he's driving the ball. It's, you know, it's, it's one of those little, he's never really been expected to do that against, against, against tough competition. But I think for him, when you see him put the ball on the deck, I'm like, you know, I think most of us are like, okay, well, let's see where this goes. You know, we need to be able to see that he can, you know, get there a little quicker and a little more efficiently, maybe use more footwork, you know, on a, on a stronger first step, use that, use that size as a big who's handling the ball and just, just get tighter with it. And I think going up against Mabako Walker in practice, where in practice every day, Caleb Banks, every day he's going up against these guys. That's going to help him immensely get stronger with the basketball. And then the final uh, starter, as we, we kind of presume the starting five, is Kalel Ware. Your thoughts on Kalel? Again, we haven't seen him in an Indiana uniform, uh, highlight tapes, and some of the plays uh, at, at Oregon. What does he do well? That's not obvious um, if we can find something. And, and, and what's something that we would work on with him if we were coaching him? He's versatile. I mean, there's so much he can do. 
out of, you know, just especially in transition. You know, I was watching some video from, you know, from when he came in and just watching when he hit three point shots that he would set up behind the three point line and just in transition, they would just pop it over to him. And it was just, it was so smooth at 20, 22 feet, 23 feet, just letting it fly in transition, stopping at the top of the key. And that it basically can, it can be so effective in transition, opening up your offense. I can't remember a guy at Indiana that had that sort of, that, that sort of weapon in their repertoire at this stage of their, you know, it, you know, it, really for a long time, I can't think of a big that had that ability just to, just to be able to do that. And if you overplay him there, he can just cut and you've got him in, you know, you've got him there for, for, for an easy, an easy look inside. I think the big thing I'm, I'm, I'm really, I wouldn't say worried. I'm really concerned. I'm really watching for is how he handles physicality in the big 10. Bigs can be really funny. And I, you know, and I come from Columbus, Indiana, so we don't really do bigs. Um, it, it, I, I, not since the sixties, you know, and, and I, I would say that the big problem is, you know, but when you, when you work with them when they're younger, especially they're just, they're 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 not they're not always your most physical players coming through and sometimes they don't exactly eat up contact there there's not a whole you know it takes them a while to figure out how to bang around a little bit and when you get in the black and blue division of the wisconsin's the michigan states the purdue's um how is he going to rutgers especially you know you start looking at those at those programs how's he going to respond when he's dealing with you know taking you know taking a lot more action probably below the b- below the chest than he's used to taking and how's he going to handle kind of the hip checks and that sort of those sorts of the, you know the sorts of moves that season bigs use especially in the big 10 um you know i just I, I i think he'll adjust to it i think he'll do fine with it i think he'll be he'll be great at it but i'm just it's one of those things where i just want to you know just one of those things of making sure and that that that's that's probably the one area where i'm like um let's just see where this goes yeah, I I agree. I think he can play the four as well, even though mm-hmm. he's huge. Uh, you might see more of a, a renew scoring down low. Uh, so again, I think it'll be interesting for Indiana fans to see his shot form. I think he has nice form. Uh, we've had nice players at the five and the four, but they weren't really shooters. And I, I know that he didn't shoot a high percentage um, at Oregon the first year, but they had a lot of bigs. Uh, and, and then he fell out of favor in the second half. So I think we're going to really be happy with how he shoots it. Now, whether he shoots it for, um, a high percentage or not, or uses it, but I think he can go, uh, to either shoulder. Um, and, and he's got a little bit of a Sigma or a turnaround game in mm-hmm. the post as well. Uh, which is nice. You took the word out of my mouth, uh, coach with, uh, physicality and, and the physicality is going to match up in two ways. One he didn't end up in a, in a good way at Oregon in, in a in a program that demands a little bit of toughness. Coach Woodson's going to demand toughness. I mean, it's just pure. That's what mm-hmm. he is. Uh, and and so the thing to work on is you got to coach him and you got to find out how he can be coached. Right? Can he be coached hard, um, mm-hmm. or do you try to draw out that toughness through other measures? Uh, but the thing to watch there is probably not so much Kalel Ware. It's it's how does the coaching staff coach this kid who supposedly has, you know, um, some motor questions. We'll just put it that way to be fair to the young man. Some motor questions. You you know how are you going to coach him to be physical? 
And, and physical is not mm-hmm. just being a bully and, and fouling no. and doing all that, but it's being able to take a, a bump in this league and, and score. It, it's, it's able to, you know, um, take a drive in a chest or post up, post, you know, defend to block out, to rebound. Um, it is a very physical league and you have to be tough. And, and so that's going to be, that's going to be the area. I know I, I got a little bit of inside information that they're really, really been coaching him hard and not, mm-hmm. not mean hard, but just really staying with them about playing at a high level with a high motor, with a high uh, amount of energy, uh, because then his natural, um, ability will, will, will shine. But I, I'm looking forward to seeing him shoot the basketball. Um, me, the positive is shoot the basketball in the post. Uh, mid mid range and uh, three and hope that he's successful. It's just smooth from the from what I've seen. There, there's so, so much interchangeability. Just to right. say real quick, there's so much interchangeability. I think you hit the nail on the head with this between what we call the fours and the fives. That yes. you know, renew maybe your low post guy. Where maybe your high your high pick and pop guy. You know, where some some programs that's like the four versus the five. There's so much Villanova type action that uh, you could run with these guys. Right. It's so it's it's just it's so fascinating to see where we're going to start. And how that's going to you move. can you can have a lineup with Banks at the three and Embaco mm-hmm. um, at the at four, the four. And, and Renew at the five or Ware at the five too. So Embaco mm-hmm. uh, can take some minutes at that play at, at that spot too, and or you could have you know Galloway, CJ Gunn can slide down that three. There's a lot of roster uh potential here right. where people aren't just going to be a two they're not just going to be a mm-hmm. three they're not going to mm-hmm. be a four it's going to be a bunch of, of of availability there but let's go to um a couple guys that we hope have real breakout years uh that were freshmen last year and when they had their limited time they 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 had some issues but they also showed uh, some ability to do some things well. And that's CJ Gunn and Caleb Banks. We'll start coach with you, CJ Gunn, your thoughts. Um, with CJ, I, I just think a lot of, you know, it just comes down to can, can he get into the groove of the game and, you know, trying to figure out coming off the bench, getting in the flow, getting in for, you know, four to eight minutes and knowing full well that, you know, he may, you know, he, he's got, you know, be, be very selective in his shooting. He hustled on defense. I could tell, I, I know that much. I mean, the guy, you could just tell he was he was doing everything he could. He's running the floor on offense. He was playing hard. He was playing freshman hard, as we were talking about a minute ago. But I don't know, you know, at this point, it's like really watching him. I really think the big key is we know he's a shooter. We know he can dri- – we're pretty sure he can drive it. We know he's a hard, a hard-nosed hard defender. And it's just the, the real question is can he handle the ball well enough, I guess, to be a college – off guard to be that secondary lead type guard to be more that slot sort of player. Can he, can he get a ball screen and do something with it is really the question for CJ Gunn on the offensive end. And conversely, you know, and, and that's that, I think that that's the big thing with him. I, I would just add on to this that with him, Caleb Banks is kind of the same thing because the question is, what do you do with these guys? Are, are they three, you know, are you talking about wings? Are you talking about off guards or, or fours? I don't know what they're going to look like, but I know that at this point, you know, if I'm looking at, you know, cause I think a lot of the things that I like about CJ, I liked about Caleb last year. I'm just going to add this real quick. And then we can kind of just, I, I kind of see him as a package deal almost. Right. Caleb to me, it's going to be a question of, can he attack a closeout? Can he put the ball on the deck? Very similar to CJ. And then defensively, just making sure that he's, you know, off ball doing the things he's supposed to be doing on the help side to really just make this thing, to make this thing work. 
CJ for me, what I like about him is his vertical play. Like he gets off the yeah. ground. He had some monster mm-hmm. rebound dunks. I, I think a couple of them, he he's able to get up and that goes back to that rebounding that I am just going to talk over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think when he's plays the two or the three, he can go in and get some rebounds and initiate transition. And if we want to play faster, which I love transition basketball, give me the Lakers and all of that kind of stuff. Um, uh, I just love that style of play. You need rebounding, and, and you need rebounding and going. I thought Indiana played better last year when they turned Trace Jackson Davis loose with rebound and go and had him initiate uh, off the break. I thought that turned out really well. Well, now if you got four or five guys that can go rebound, we talked about X rebounding. I think CJ can get off the ground. The question about CJ is not necessarily is he going to get better shooter. I trust that he's going to get better. It's where is his shot? Is he a is he a catch and shoot three inside out, or can he come off a screen heel toe toe or or jump into it? Whatever his preferred method of shooting, what where uh, where are his shots going to come from? What is his uh, best way to catch the basketball on the move or stationary? Mm-hmm. And then how is Coach Woodson going to use him? But I, I think you'll see more shots go in. He'll get used to used to the game. I was really pleased with him defensively. Um, he, he was a little handsy at times, but. You know, when you don't play, Bob, but you come in, and Mm -hmm. I never saw him loaf. Uh, And that's hard when you get a minute or three minutes. Like, one of the things I think maybe is not obvious and should be obvious to all of us is both Banks and C.J. Gunn gave maximum effort, and Mm -hmm. they they didn't seem – they had to be frustrated without playing. Everyone's going to be frustrated without playing, even Mm -hmm. even your most bought-in, you know, reserve – but in that, to me, it never really showed on the court. Those guys at no. times really did some some good things. Um, and so, Caleb Banks, uh, I'm I know I'm going to catch grief from this, but deflections. When I think of Caleb Banks, I think of he deflected the ball, dove on the floor, got no. loose balls, got some offensive rebounds that were, you know, you talk about motor. He just had a nose for the basketball last year. Mm-hmm. At 6'7", if you're going to play him at the 2 or the 3, I think that's going to be fantastic. And here I go again. Going to get loose uh-huh. balls. Going to get rebounds. Those things take a team from 22-23 wins and move them forward uh, if they can, right? I mean, with all other things. Uh-huh. I'm not saying just diving on the floor for loose balls is going to win nope. more games this year than what they won last year. But those guys bring that. Um I, I think the thing for me um, with, with Caleb is he's got to be able to score in contact um, at the mm-hmm. rim. He's got to be able to finish at the rim. Uh, he's got to take a hit, hit the shoulders, lean into the chest, and be able to go and score. I, I thought there were times when he missed a lot of shots at the rim as a freshman. He was trying to avoid contact instead of taking the contact, finishing, and one. He's got to have a physical presence. Um, you talk about physicality. We have a lot of guys who have to be more physical. Um, mm-hmm. and again, it's not dirty. That's just being able no. to take a, take a bump and give a bump. And Caleb, uh, Caleb is, is one of those. We got so, so much of it real quick, just so much of it comes down to you initiating contact, right? Are you the hitter or the hitty? Are you instigating or are you responding? And I think that this is something where especially really good players. And I know we both have coached guys who are really good. They're not always good at being the instigator because they're always so good at getting, avoiding it through using athleticism and skill. And all of a sudden, you don't have that. All of a sudden, all the cars go 230. You're not the only car on the track that goes 230 anymore. Uh, 220 is still pretty fast, but you're, but you know, now that everybody's 230, you're going to have to race like everybody can go 230. 
So that's the thing of watching Caleb, watching CJ being able to, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to hit first and block out. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to create a, you know, I'm not going to charge into the guy, but I'm going to definitely make some contact to give myself some space to get my move, to make my play. All right. So we got four, four guys. Those are the top eight. Uh, We got four guys. Let's run through those real quick. I'll give you Anthony Walker. I'll take Peyton Sparks, and and then we'll go from there. Okay. Um, but fire away on on what you know about Anthony Walker. Walker is a you know if you talk about a guy that can dive to the bucket and get points that way, that's Walker. You know, Walker is the sort of guy that when he's in there, if he's going to on the times we're going to see him in there. I think when when you see him go in, he's going to be the guy that you know uh, his guy leaves him and he just backdoor cuts it. He gets in for the layup or the dunk. Um. Not really sure where he is defensively. I think that he's somebody that I, you know, for his size, he's not going to play post players. He's going to be out on the perimeter guarding more. Um, that would be something to be interesting to see how Mike Woodson utilizes him. I'm just curious to see how much he utilizes him at what situ- what situations he gets used in this throughout the season. And then Peyton Sparks, uh, I think his strength is he he wants to be an Indiana Hoosier. I mean, he's talented. He played at Ball State. He's at Indiana. He, he's not just a body, but he, he wanted to be at Indiana. And, and he's a hard worker. And so when you have to go against that in practice, you better bring your A game in practice when you got someone like Peyton Sparks that is busting it. Like he's going to, he's a, at the rim scorer. And, and, you know, he's going to be a heavy post defender. I, he reminds me of the Doer kid we had a couple years ago that would get some minutes on when you had a big center, you know, Edie or whatever else. You got some foul trouble. You're going to be able to go in. He's got banger. He's going to foul. He's going to do some of those things. He does those things well. He's got to work on his moves and his athleticism uh, from what, what I think. But his heart and his mind are in the right spot from everything that I've heard. And, and and I think he's going to be able to accept a, a limited role behind some very talented fours and fives. Um, and again, mm-hmm. his benefit might not be in the box score. Um, yeah, Dominic, I think he did go to Winchester. Uh, I'll have, I'd have to confirm that he did. Um, so again, that's someone you want to, we, you want that guy on your squad. If you're, if you're nine or 10 on that squad, you want a guy that just loves the program. That'll do anything for the program. That'll always be there, always be on time. And then when you put them in, in a because of a foul trouble or injury, they're going to give you everything that their athletic body can give. And I believe that's Peyton Sparks. I think that's a strength. I'm going to give you um, Jakai Newton. I'll take Anthony Leo. Go ahead uh, with uh, Jakai. Newton, I think he's going to be an incredible force getting to the lane and just making stuff happen there. I think he's going to be a mad dog on defense. Don't know about his shooting yet. The biggest thing with Ja'Kai Newton, get well soon. Yeah. You know, we're hoping this kid just gets healthy and, you know, can, and whether he red shirts, whether they try to try to keep him, keep, keep his year of eligibility and try to use him later in the season, whatever, whatever they all decide to do is, you know, will be in his best interest. But I think the big one for him, for, for him right now is there's just not much we know because we haven't seen the kid play at hundred percent in about two years. Yeah. For Anthony Leo, I'd love to see him get some run. I think he's at the back end, but what a great teammate. Uh, and, and I think he's a great passer. Uh, when, when he did get some play so far at Indiana University, he was he was one of the better post uh, feeders um, that you have. Um, and I know he can shoot the basketball. So, um, you know, he, he's going to have to work on, on, on probably being able to uh, guard in order to, to get on, on the floor. But, you know, he's a veteran. 
and he's a good teammate. Uh, I don't know that he'll have a whole lot of minutes this year. I think you're going to see the top nine play uh, significant minutes. I think Peyton's going to be uh, – Sparks is going to be number 10, and then they'll take it easy with Ja'Kai because of his um, injury. So we got a couple more things to go through here before we get to segment three. Uh, let's talk about um, – uh, Coach uh, Woodson, uh, some things that he does well, some things that if we were on staff, we'd, we'd maybe make some suggestions and so forth. I thought Coach Woodson got better in, in year two at controlling the offense and controlling the flow of the game. He's so good um, after timeouts that I was always clamoring, like, if you're good at after timeouts, call stuff on the fly. Uh, obviously, you want transition basketball first, but I thought, he, I thought he did that. I thought he did a much better job of substituting um, and, and after I've reflected, Bob, I think he did a good job in using the roster that he had. Um, and I love all of those guys and we've been in the tournament two years in a row, but this roster is a lot more athletic and has a lot more potential. Their problem is going to be experience where the team that just left had experience. And sometimes experience is better than talent. You know that as well. But those mm-hmm. are some of the things I thought. And Coach Woodson off the floor has been fantastic. I think he's he's done a good job recruiting and uh, needs to keep it up. Um, but, you know, I had someone tell me this summer, like, those kids just eat up everything Coach Woodson tells them. He, he looks to, they look to him as a father figure. When he pats them on the back, they're all – the soaking it in when he kicks him in the butt, they're all soaking it in. So I, I think you've seen Coach Woodson grow to the college game. I mean, he's a heck of a coach in the NBA, mm-hmm. but college is different. I think he's adapted. I think he'll be even better in in, in year three. I um, the thing that I don't know what you can do or what you can't do, but defense got a little worse this year with a veteran team with the same team coming back might've been because of X uh, not putting the ball pressure. Hood Shafino was not the greatest at putting the ball pressure on there. Um, Obviously when you look from year to year, other teams, you know, you can, you can cherry pick some of that. Um, I would, I would encourage him to uh, make sure you get some good rebounding teams out there and get out and go. I, I will talk tempo here in just a second, but um, I think he's on the right trajectory of, of getting to that experience with the college game. I think the staff, his hires have been fantastic. I, I just, I'm in a lot better place with Coach Woodson now mm-hmm. than I was in the hire two years ago. Culture. You're just seeing a culture. You're seeing an identity, and it's something we haven't really seen in IU. Um, I'd even go back probably since the early to mid-'90s. The, the sense of purpose. Uh, I, I, it sounds small, and I'll probably you know hit on this again, or I've hit on this before, but walking, watching them walk into a basketball game, watching hit, you know, the team come out on the floor and the staff walking in, It'll, you know, basically it's in a line, but everyone is, it's like they know their job, they know their purpose, they're there, they're all business. And then you watch little things like timeouts, you watch things like them exiting the floor. You, I don't think I've ever really seen him chew a guy out. Like, you know, you see sometimes coaches are just losing their mind on a kid going through the tunnel. I don't think I, you know, I don't see that. It's, it's, it's more or less this thing of, and I don't even really think I've seen, anyway, you, you can tell me he's not happy, but you, it, you don't kind of see that same sort of almost overdone sort of frustration or what have you 
or you just know that everybody kind of knows what they're supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be doing it. And it goes from, I would say the guy that's, you know, that's heating up the burritos in the microwave all the way up to up, up through Woodson, you know, it's everybody in that program has got a sense of purpose. And that to me, I think translates to the, on the floor it translates to off, you know, the practice, you know, the practice gym, the training table, the weights, I think he's building that that culture, which is which is just so essential. I, I think if there's really anything I'm kind of looking at from a question standpoint is okay. Here you are, it's year three. You're no longer having to play through the post. You're no longer having to use your primary scorer. Is no longer a guy who's a back who who came to who, when you got him was a back to the basket player. That you turned into a guy that was much more comfortable playing front to the basket. My big question now is okay. Can you can you quickly get a highly talented group to play together, knowing there's going to be hiccups, knowing there's going to be some dips in the roller coaster, knowing they're going to have some bad days. And can you get them to a point where by March, this is a team that's it's hitting on all cylinders and able to play at, at, you know, play on the high at the highest uh, at its highest possible level. You know, you can play yourself into a thing of saying, this team may just limp into the tournament or could be a final four contender. You look at this roster, you look at the situation, you can go up and down in any which way you can, any which way you can. But at this point, it's going to show, I think for him, how, you know, how effective is he, you know, in, in getting that message across early on with really for the first time, his guys. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned offense. I'm going to come right back to you. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about there that the offense that he's wanted to play, he's got to get his guys in, and we're going to see this new kind of offense. I think that's the question, like that we all have, and we don't have an answer until we actually uh, see what what they're trying to do. Um, but you shared with me in in prep of the show a, a few things, uh, uh, statistics offensively. I'm going to let you share them and lead off your thoughts. We're going to cover offense and defense, things we think are good, things we need have questions about, uh, and we'll finish segment two then after we get done with defense. But go ahead, share some of those things uh, offensively that you shared uh, with me. The, the the question we have is, I use tempo good for them. You know, in Whitson's first seasons, and this is where you know statistics and Ken Palm can be. You know, when you start cherry picking, it gets a little. It can be a little problematic. I use 175th and 145th in tempo. Uh, at around you know 67 to 68 possessions per game. That's over the course of those first two seasons. But in 21-22, the offense had an average possession length of 17.5 seconds, 176 on offense, 17.9 seconds on defense, 267th. Last year, it was 16.4 seconds on offense, which is 48th in the country, and then or 48th in D1, and then 18.7 seconds, 355th on defense. In many respects. When you look at this team's tempo, they're playing more like Iowa than they are Purdue, Wisconsin, or even Michigan State. They're at the top end of the Big Ten in trying to trying to push it. So you could say, well, they're not, you know, they're kind of an average team on tempo when you look at overall possessions, but they're getting a shot much faster than their opponents are getting a shot on the defensive end. And I think that that's telling us something about how Woodson wants to play that he's trying to find ways of getting these guys to go north-south versus east-west. And he's trying to get his opponents to go east-west, and he's doing a pretty good job of getting them to do that. And unlike, I think, a Fran McCaffrey, who uses the ball-press defense, uses different man schemes, other different zone schemes, and is probably willing to give up, 
I would say 10% of his possessions for, he just kind of, you know, cost of doing business is this guy's going to get an open shot. This, this, this is going to happen when this guy takes it. I think Woodson is a lot less tolerant of that 10 of that, of that cost of doing business bucket. I don't think he's ever going to see himself as being, I'm well, we'll just outscore him. No, I think his thing is I want to stop. I don't want to get beat in transition. I don't want to get beat on the boards. I want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're doing, and we're getting out and running because I want to push five guys. All five guys on the floor, I think he wants them to handle the ball and, and transition, be able to get the ball up the floor quickly, beat the defense down the court, and then if they have to, again, the best part about you know the the, the best part about getting an NBA coach is he's had to run offense with six less seconds, so he sees that that element of we're going to get down there, XJ, get me into a ball screen situation quick. And we're in, we're in a, we're, we're in a, out of our secondary break, we're into a quick, just a quick hit, a, a quick hit movement. So we don't have to get realigned. So we don't have to get all, all set up and just, you know, get the defense get set as we get set to run a set to get them moving. So do you see those numbers um, getting better offensively with this squad and, and being more of where Coach Woodson wants to go? I am a big believer in transition I, offense and transition defense. If you can win the I transition so. offense game and win the transition defense game, you're going to win more games uh, th- than you probably should just by talent alone. Because, Bob, I just think defenses and scouting and all the analytics and everything – if you let the defense get set, then they know what mm-hmm. they want to do. If you can score in, in the first 10 to 15 seconds, whether it be your primary break or your quick hitting secondary break, uh, I just think that's better. It's more fun to play. It's more fun to watch. Um, and it's something that um, I've wanted to see IU transition to for 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 many years and it seems like statistically it was headed that way even with a roster that might not have been built to do that uh as efficiently as the rosters going forward um your your thoughts i i think so i mean you know because he's doing this with you know race thompson pushing the ball up the floor at times miller you know you change break right miller cop and again miller cop loved him Loved him. And I'll tell you, if you, if you want a guy to shoot a three in transition, Miller cop might right. be your guy, but <laughs> you know, you, you, you Mac McBacco taking the ball down the floor and I mean, okay. Okay. So Zach Eady or who, who is Zach Eady going to beat down the floor on this IU team? Well, and, and Bob, I, I, I forgot I don't, to say this. I don't think they have a guy. I don't think we, yeah. I don't think they have a guy. No, no. I, I was going to say this both about CJ Gunn and both about Trey Galloway, and it slipped my mind. Getting ready this afternoon, I like their quick change of direction from defense mm-hmm. to offense. We used to coach Bob. First three steps are sprints. If you could yep. beat your guy in the first three steps down the floor, you're going to get easy baskets. And I just mm-hmm. keep thinking back. I haven't watched tape from last year, but I just think, how many times did Galloway get out? Galloway, yeah. got, you, you see the p- pitch ahead to Galloway. Well, now you might have Galloway and Gunn on the game or CJ Gunn. I think Caleb Banks can be that way, but that's a skill. Sometimes that, again, we see the ball go in the basket or we see a ball screen or whatever, but when when do you adjust and push off and know that your team's got the rebound or got a steal and you can beat your guy in the first three steps? I think we got several guys who can do that. That maybe last year we couldn't just because of no. athleticism, but we got a couple of guys mm-hmm. already have that skill, and that'll we help do. with the tempo. That'll help with scoring early. 
I, I think, and 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 again, you're looking at a you know, you're looking at a situation where you you have Gabe Cups who's coming in as well. You know, you look at a kid like Cups coming in and being able to you know just get down the floor, and then so let's say that primary break doesn't work, you kick it back out to him, and you're in and you're into something. You're automatically into something. We we missed and, Gabe Cups in our in our uh, roster. I believe we did, didn't we? <laughs> now that you mentioned that, that is just poor. Poor hosting on my part. Uh, no, I, I, I jumped a, I jumped ahead to get to the sophomores, and then I, I, I went to the post players and totally forgot about Gabe Cups. So you bring up Gabe but, Cups. Talk about what he brings. I, he's a again much like much like Newton. We think the kid. I'm pretty sure the kid's going to be a dog on defense. I think he's going to. I think he's going to make everybody crazy um, when he when he's up. You know, and I think he can stay with just about any guard in the Big Ten. To be perfectly honest, I think he's going to be deceptively quick in that regard. Um, I think the big question for him is again, and I, I, I don't say this a lot about a lot of guys, but I think with cups, it's going to be how quick point guards. We saw this with uh, Braden Smith, who's again, a talented kid uh, in particular, you know, can play with just about anybody for a period of time, but not knowing when the door closes, when the defense moves over, because the window that was there for your entire life is now closed a lot faster. And a kid like Gabe Cups may struggle with, but that was there. No, that was there five hundredths of a second ago, but you're not in high school anymore. That's a college player, and that window just closed on you. So now you got to know, man. I, I, I think he's going to be deceptively fun to watch, especially driving the ball in two-man game. I don't see it, you know. It, you know, anybody saying, "Well, he's, you know, well, he reminds me of Jordan Holes." No, he doesn't. He reminds me of. He reminds me. He just reminds me of Gabe Cups. You know, he just yeah. looks like a kid that he's just going to do that. That, that he's sort a of coach's kid. He has thing. great yeah. vision. He is a facilitator by design. Like he loves to facilitate. Mm-hmm. But you bring up a great point. You actually steal my thunder. I, I'm sitting here. So many times you say something like, "Oh man, I got to come yeah. up with something well, now," because yeah. uh, you you took exactly what I was going to say. Um, you saw it with Hood Shafino sometimes early, especially the first half of the season. The, the, that window, he was, and everyone thought it might have been a little nonchalant passing. Well, that speed that he was passing at Mount Verde, a very good high school, that still got through. But in the college game, those passes aren't, and it looks like you're being a little lazy, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. the speed of the game. So Gabe Cups is going to come in. He's going to electrify. He's going to go down. He's going to score. He's going to shoot and make a shot. He's going to go behind the back and throw it to someone. But his assist-to-turnover ratio early to middle to late, hopefully you'll see that um, to where he understands that window. And it's so so um, so correct on, on that window. And then, you know, obviously the, the physicality of, of that. I am interested to see how, you know, how well he does guard. You get X and him coming in and hounding that that, that – that guard. I can't believe I'm so excited about Gabe cups. And then I forget Gabe, if you or your family are listening, man, that is my bad. I owe you, owe you, you know, a pizza or something from pizza X, uh, free, free advertising. Now I'm really blowing it. Um, so, but anyway, going back to offensive tempo, um, I, I, I am excited about where this is going. You're, you're having more players that can be able to play multiple positions. You know, you're talking about aware who could, who could, Pick and pop. We we haven't had a pick and pop guy, you know. Can renew, shoot, and be a pick and pop guy as well. Um, I I think you know, 
the offense is is evolving in in year three uh, un, under under Coach Woodson. I would if if there's something I just would like to see him be a little more control. I'm not I'm not. I want to clarify something. I need to do a better job as we get into the season. By sets, I don't mean flex offense or mm-hmm. something that is point A to B to C to D, and you got to follow it. I like movement to move the help to put people in a decisive situation to drive, to pass, to hit the open man. <coughs> spacing does happen, Bob, when you're standing. No doubt about it. You get great spacing when you're standing because you tell the offense where to stand. But you also give the defense the ability to pick and choose where they're going and what they're doing without being confused. When you move lift shooters, dive, a four, we call a 45 cut, when you do some of that. So that's the area where I would be saying to Coach Woodson, at some point you got to have some schemes, some calls that might not be plays or offenses, but they're just some actions to move the defense to put your players in a position to close, to to drive a closeout, uh, to utilize a ball screen and hit the lift guy a little bit easier by messing that help defense up. That would probably be my suggestion on offense um, the, for coach. The, the thing I the thing I would go to, and I, I I'm all with the movement. I think there's a almost like a lack of aggressiveness in cutting as well. And I'm going to take a different view on the movement because. I think, you know, you and I, we talked before, we're both motion guys. Right. So when you're a motion guy, I mean, we go, I guess we go to the meetings now and we, you know, we, we, we pledge to, we pledge to, uh, to, to, to embrace the ball screen, which we were never told was a good idea. I mean, when you're a recovering motion coach um, in the world where it's just not, you know, you're, you're not doing it, you know, you have to do it differently with five out constructs and everything else. You, you start wondering, okay, so what do we take and what do we give from it? And the whole idea of the back cut, and I was just talking to a coach, you know, recently, just talking about ruling their offense. Guys overplaying you, cut. You just cut to the basket, and teaching kids how to recognize that because they play too much two K. That's the problem with kids today. They play too much two K. Two K. Nobody back cuts in two K. There's no help defense in two K. And and then you put it on Yahoo mode, and you know, so, okay, so great. Steph just scored 250 points, and you're a cool kid now. But the point is that doesn't that doesn't translate to real basketball, you know. What I with Woodson, I'd love to see what Mike Woodson doing is encouraging that aggressiveness. And when they did it, it was beautiful. And you would watch some of the games and go, "There's an open space right there. If Miller Cop would just get off the drive line and attack it, and that's that movement you're talking about." Because I think so many times when we hear movement, we think motion, we think the back screen, we think you know cross screens. Screen down, screen across, screen down, screen across. And you can hear like 16, 17-year-old kids going, why would we want to play that? Uh, but because it's, you know, there has been some evolution in the game, much like we don't see the power eye in football anymore, we don't see a 3-2 alignment with screen down, screen across in basketball at, at many levels anymore. So I think the, the big key on this is we have, you know, we, we do need to see Mike Woodson on the offensive end Really just kind of, you know, and maybe, again, some of the assistants looking at it also, I'd like to be able to see more of that where when the defense is overplaying or kind of overscouting your set, attacking yeah, that a little differently. I may cutting. steal that from you and use cutting more than movement because if you cut and you cut with purpose, you're moving to help. And that, that yeah. coincides with the newer game. 
and I also will now put on my resume. I'm a recovering motion coach. I, I, I also, I also locked like that, but I had, I, I spent six hours with Brad Brunel, who's, who's at Clemson. Mm-hmm. He was at uh, Wright state when he was at Wright state, I had the ability to go talk to him and he's an old motion guy. And, and this was, mm-hmm. this was 12 years ago. And he said, I don't teach motion anymore. I teach him to move, just cut, mm-hmm. cut, cut, cut hard and go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the problem with moving too much is you, you mess that spacing up. If you screen, you mess up spacing. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, there, there's purposeful screening, but not all out screening. If you go back and watch old tapes of IU, that lane is congested in the inside out screening of Bob Knight. That can't, that can't work in, in today's, but you can set a chin screen. Uh, if you, if you ha- are in the community, go back and watch that 45 yeah. cut on that uh, pick and pop, the Furman pick and pop with the 45 cut is exactly what you're talking about there. The defense turned. And watch the pick and pop guy, and that guy just cut from the wing to the to the basket. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's not a call. That's not anything. But no. that is a designed movement cutting on offense. Let's finish here uh, with defense. Uh, for, for me, uh, I, I we sometimes stay and help in that nail slot rim a little too much and give up that wing slot three. The other thing is, I really like that we've had rim protection. But you got to crack down rebound. Uh, the concern yeah. for me is we did not rebound. Again, I'm so sorry to everyone how many times I've said rebound, yeah. rebound, rebound. Oh, yeah. But when you have size and athleticism, you might be able to go get that. When Ware goes to block a shot and the shot gets off, then you might have guys that can go snag that rebound a little bit more this year. Uh, last year we didn't do that. We gave up some offensive rebounding. But I do like the, the rim protection. I do like the overall defensive scheme. And I think the longer length and athleticism will make that defense uh, a, a lot better once they get it cohesive. Like you can have all the athletes in the world, but if they don't play on a string, Bob, no. then Mm-mm. there's going to be holes where the other athletes on the other Mm-mm. side are going to expose that defense. That's my concern is how quickly they can play as a team. Individually, I'm not so concerned, but rebounding. So those are my thoughts on, on, on defense. The, the play isn't over till you have the ball. And your ideal outcome is that you don't have it taking it out from the baseline, being it, you know, with after they scored it, you 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 don't that the, the, it's not done till you got it. And I and I think at times, you know, again, you're dealing with highly talented, very very talented kids. What they miss sometimes in the game is, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's hard for them to imagine playing that sort of the, the talent level equal or better at them in some areas, night in, night out. And that's where that again the not just blocking out, but just being aware of where, of where they need to be in the position, in the scheme position shot goes up. You're looking to get to your spot, you know, basically getting on a body and being able to compete for rebounds. They got better at it in January and February, but I mean, there were some times I I was showing pictures of, you know, five guys with their backs to their man watching a basketball. That's the sort of thing we need to, you know, successful programs don't have those problems in January. So the highest success, highly successful program, programs don't have those problems in January. So let's see how quick they can get these guys up to speed. And I think that from the defensive standpoint, it's just getting them, getting the right type of competitive mindset early on. So there you have it, a real quick uh, roster breakdown. Uh, forgot Gabe Cuss, but we got went back and got him. Got him. Um, uh, you know, thoughts from a couple guys in Indiana that don't watch practice, but hopefully we know a, a little bit and can give you a, a little bit of, of not the obvious things, of, of some things to watch when you see the scrimmages, when you see some practice. 
Um, you won't see it in any highlight clips because the ball goes in 99% of the time in the hi- <laughs> highlight clips. Um, but hopefully, again, you know, Bob and I talking some basketball. If you have any questions, um, get a hold of us. Let us know. We, we yeah. like to, um, to share our, our thoughts with you. So coming up on Assembly Call Radio, it's mailbag time. We got uh, some great questions, and we're going to answer them next. So stick with us here on the Assembly Call. That's good stuff, man. <laughs> love it. Love it. My, my wife always says, um, how, she gets, she goes, I couldn't do that. Cause how do you answer stuff on the fly? I'm like, well, when you have a guy like Bob on and he steals all my thoughts <laughs> that I had prepared, I, you know, it's, I feel it's good. I'm, Cause I'm not, I, then me I too. That's what I would hope with it you. makes me yeah. feel good that other people are seeing the same thing and I'm not just some old man, get off my lawn. You know, screen, no, screen, no, it's that was good. I, I hope it was good. I hope people enjoyed hope so. it, but I, I sure did. I, I did too. And any again, any I, I've always said, you know, you and I could sit back, you know, with whatever beverage of our choice, you know, sit on a deck for three hours and just talk about this stuff and probably finish each other's senses, sentences. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, and that's, I think, one thing about basketball is that when you do, when you do it long enough, some things you, 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 everyone picks up on this, you know, you pick up on it and you know, you know what to look for. And I think that that's you know, the the biggest problem. I think sometimes that when you when you look at it from the beginning is well, did the ball go in? How many good coaches we've been around don't even know? Wait, who hit the shot? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're watching a team play, it's like sometimes like who hit that <laughs> because you're watching something on the backside, you're watching something away from the play, and that's why I love talking ball with you, man. Because it's just yeah, it's it, you, you you challenge me because I'm like, ooh, wait, he took that one. So the ones you're starting on, I'm. I'm doing the same thing on this end, man. So don't worry about it. It's it's part of it. Yeah, no, I, I think I think the roster is better. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, less experienced, and that worries me. To be honest with you, talent without experience that can be a scary thing to navigate. Right. Uh, the best thing is to be talented and experienced. Uh, but I do like the. I, I think the roster has better size, length. And, and potentially skill. And that does not demean any of the guys who left the program. Um, the, so. the, the one saving grace is actually at six years. I go back to that, that I think, that, you know, if we were going into this with a freshman point guard, I'd probably be a little more nervous. Right. I, I have a feeling that in a 70 possession game, those last seven possessions that if XJ can, if, if, if they can get this team to play in a way where, XJ owns the last seven offensive possessions. They're, it's it's going to look really good. Like if he gets if for for sixty three possessions, he gets everybody else involved, and he's kind of like, well, yeah, I got a shot here, a shot there, got a drive here, drive there, and then all of a sudden, those last seven possessions, he could take a game over. That to me will be the interesting thing because I think at that point, then this thing's clicking, and take a game over by scoring. By passing, maybe by defending, whatever by it being is, being that Coach Woodson on the floor mm-hmm. is going to be his best asset. I do worry about XJ wanting to prove everyone. He sat out for a long time. The rust is not necessarily, yeah, he'll be a little rusty, but he has shown at times to be hyper, I don't want to say hyperactive, but hyper intense 
And he just needs to play his game at his regular speed and read the floor and, and, and make the pass when it's needed, score when it's needed. If he can bottle that, that last third of that first year, I don't think we saw it before he got injured. I thought he was up and down even at the beginning of last year. Um, and, and so, yes, I do agree that it gives you a little bit of, of uh, comfort knowing that someone's been there really wants to prove himself as opposed to a freshman guard. That's better than having a freshman guard. But, but. XJ still has some things to prove with his cerebral approach to the basketball game, uh, in, in my opinion. And I, I believe he will. Uh, I, I believe he will. I, uh, you don't stick around for six years and go through all that training and stuff to to, to not try to do that at least. I, I think his mind is in the right spot. He's just got to make some good decisions, but um, mm-hmm. we'll see. All right, let's get to these questions, and we'll call it a night and let you go. Here we go. This is Tim Priller, and I never miss an episode of the Assembly Call. Welcome back to Assembly Call Radio. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. I'm here with uh, Bob Moat. So we just got this done discussing offense, defense, Coach Woodson, the whole entire roster, including Gabe Cups, a little late. And now we're going to go to your questions. Uh, it's time for our mailbag uh, section. Most of these questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com backslash community. Our first question of the evening is from uh, J.D. DeFreeze. And, and JDS, as coaches with experience at very levels of basketball, what factors do you look to when you evaluate other coaches, specifically college coaches, as a fan of the game? Bob, go ahead. It's a great question. Um, I, I think for me a lot, it, it really kind of starts watching it. When, when you're watching another team play, it's are they, get, are they doing what – are you doing what you think they should be doing? When you look at a team on paper, when you look at kind of where how a team is built, are they are they are they in control of the game? Or are they not in control of the game? And a lot of that comes down to preparation. How well prepared is a team coming out? And you know, are they able to get you know, are they able to force a team to use their fourth or fifth options? Like a great example of me watching what I considered coaching malpractice was Bob Huggins last year playing Purdue, the greatest like pressure coach of the 21st century, I think was, you know, the late 20th, the 21st century, Bob Huggins with the half court trap defenses, whoever, you know, whether it was Cincinnati or West Virginia, this guy put pressure on everybody. Purdue shows up, no denial. I mean, they just, they let Purdue just run practice sets for 70 possessions. And I'm looking at that going, why, why is this not, you know, what, what's going on here? So I'm looking at, you know, you're, you know how you can, you know how you have to stop Purdue. You can't let Zach Eady just run, you know, just just run the whole situation. So when you kind of look at a situation like, you know, when you're watching a game and I'm watching a, a, a thing, I'm like, you're not really disrupting the other team. So how did how did your game plan not 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 work in? Was it the fact that you didn't prepare for them the the way that maybe maybe you didn't prepare a certain way for them? Maybe the other backtrack to that is. Maybe, you know, maybe the guys just didn't execute it the way that you needed them to execute it. Or maybe you were just wrong in your, in your scout, in your assessment. Um, 
I also look a lot of times, you know, it's like one of the best things I've noticed is, and it's actually changed some of the things I did because I was one of those coaches in timeouts, man, I was trying, I was trying to cram too much information in. And I always found myself like when I started watching the timeouts in the college game and just how, wait, that's what they're saying. Oh man, I've been a head coach for 20 plus years. I mean, okay. I got to, I, okay. I can pare this down. Um, what, what do I really want to say in 30 or 60 seconds? What do I really want the point I really want to get across? And so when you kind of start thinking about, you know, you look at looking at how how programs, how quick are they getting back to something to to to, to executing the simple things, doing the small things right? And you know, everything from how guys are landing, you know, again, we were talking about two, you know, two going off two feet, you know, hit and jump stops, how they're catching a basketball, all those little things that you're kind of watching, those attention to detail things that you know, can be the edge of the difference as to one team being better than another team and seeing, and a lot of that is coaching and a lot of it's done on the practice court in the film room. I, I think, um, as a fan, I, I listen to a lot of coaches in their post game. And, and when I, when I cover for assembly call and the Delphi bracketology, being able to go to games, uh, I think you can tell for, at least for me being a basketball coach, you can tell who's giving you the answer to get rid of mm-hmm. the interview versus a guy who's really wanting to get rid of the interview still, but still talks uh game. If you've been to clinics, uh, you know, coaching clinics, mm-hmm. you, you just saw, uh, you, you meet some coaches and you see them in, in an element with other, um, uh, coaches, uh, that, that helps a little bit. I, I will always, agree with you on, on watching the details, you know, Jay Wright, uh, with the jump stops at Villanova, just fundamental mm-hmm. basketball. Uh, and, and you, you can tell, um, uh, I'm not, I'm forgetting the guy who's out at U, UCLA right now. He's got my hairstyle. I, I know. I, uh, I'm that real quick. Cronin, Mick Cronin. It's Cronin. Cronin. Um, I have friends over in the Cincinnati area, head coach, and they went to to watch his practice. Um, you know, that's it doesn't always mean you're right. Like I had heard great things about Archie, and and I liked the way Archie talked basketball, but he didn't have a way to relate, right? So sometimes your your opinion changes. Um, but when you're watching TV, I totally agree with you. Anytime on FS1 or whatever, they're they're having the mic'd up coaches. I would suggest fans watching, even if it's a game you don't want to watch. You will learn so much. There was a game, Ed Cooley, Providence against Mike Anderson, St. John's, and I think I think it was Ed Cooley, and Ed Cooley just coached circles around Mike Anderson. It'd be, mm-hmm. you know, what was going on in, in one timeout versus what was going on in the other timeout. And, and I'm just sitting there going, man, this guy is where I'd want my kid to play versus this guy. And I'm very, I'm very pro coach. So I'm, I don't like to criticize coaches like Mike Anderson or whatever, but it was very, you know, obvious in there who was getting the communication done to their team at a, at a more efficient way than, than the other. So I, I like to hear these guys talk. I like to see what they run. Um, you, you see, sometimes, um, I'm not sold on Hubert Davis down at North Carolina. They have a mm-hmm. lot of talent and when it's hot, it's, it's good. You can tell sometimes, I think when you've been in the game for 20 years, you can tell guys who are riding the talent boat versus guys who are really affecting the game and, and coaches mm-hmm. probably affect what two to four games a year. 
uh-huh. actual during the game change that. I mean, obviously during practice and their strategy and game planning, they they probably affect that more. But you take a a program that's going to win. 20 games and put a good coach in there, they're going to go 24, 25. Mm-hmm. You take a program that's talented enough to win 20 and you have a bad coach, they're down to 14 or 15. I think that's kind mm-hmm. of kind of the variance. But I look at fundamentals, what they're yeah. running offense and defense uh, after timeouts, I think are huge ways to talk about how, how good coaches uh, can influence uh, the game. I think that's where Coach Woodson is really excellent at his uh, ATOs. Um, I think those things are, are things that I look for uh, in, in the coaches. Real quick on Hubert, if you guys want to watch an example of what Coach is talking about, watch the last the last thirty seconds of the national championship game. Because I was actually thinking about this question earlier today, and watch what happened when he came out of a timeout on the sideline out of bounds play, and just watch it and just you know, decide for yourself. Because I had the same questions on Hubert, and I'm not saying you know he can you you can develop into this. I think one problem coaches have is you know if you've been an assistant coach for 25 years and all of a sudden you're a head coach, it's a different ball game. So I yeah. think for them, it's, it's a little different when you're sitting in the captain's chair. Uh, mediocre Jay sent in a question. Uh, what are some lineups you're interested in seeing this coming season? And, and what are some offensive actions or sets you'd like to see those lineups run? We kind of covered that a little bit in, in the offense. Uh, I like the, I like that chin action, which is a guard to guard screen at the top. With the back screen by your five, it gets a guy under the basket. I, again, in the community, we showed a little bit of that in the last coach's corner. Uh, again, I, I'm going to steal Bob's words. I, I want more cutting than actual plays or or set continuity offenses, teaching the kids to cut and move and lift as opposed to just standing uh, in the in the dribble drive, ball, ball screen type world that, that, that we're in. I like small lineups. Um, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see Mbako, Banks, Gunn, and XJ or Cups at the four and then throw in, you know, Renew or Ware at the five. And not as a starting lineup, not as the best lineup, just as a lineup that's out there uh, at some point playing for a segment of five or six minutes. I think you got some – you got some athletes with uh, Xavier and CJ Banks at the three and Baco at the four, and you put Ware at the five or you put Renew at the five. I mean, those are some athletes now. And, and you could, you know, interchange, you know, Cups and Newton when he gets healthy. Again, the athletic diversity of this team is is going to be fun if it can overcome the newness and the inexperience of, of meshing together they have an opportunity to do some things. Your thoughts on some lineups or sets, actions that you'd like to see, Bob? Interested in seeing what happens when XJ is not on the court, how 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 everything flows. You know, I, I'm interested to see, you know, who does Trey, you know, do you keep Trey out there with a CJ gun? Do you let Gabe go out there with Trey or do you let Gabe go out there with CJ? Not really sure. That that how that how that plays in. I think that 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 um uh, that lineup combination is huge. I'm with coach with small lineups. I like small lineups. You know, the post to me is, you know, it's like we don't, you know, you don't really, you, you really want movement from your bigs. You want high, low movement. You like, you know, weak side post when dunker spot, because then you're putting their man in a help dilemma, whatever you can do to do those things. I'm going to say, Jay, if there's one concept that's hitting me upside the head right now that I've just been like obsessed with and trying to figure out how to do it, how to, how to do something with it. Motion strong, motion weak constructs out of San Antonio or Davidson from 10, 15 years ago. 
YouTube it, Google it, look at it. The the whole kind of idea of what they do with an initiate a fast, rapid initiation of the offense, and then what they do to get the ball moving. You watch San Antonio from ten years ago, and the ball never hits the floor until they're and, you know the ball never. You know, there's some possessions the ball never hits the floor. Or some possessions where they go right into two man game. There's so much you can do out of those concepts. I'll be interested to see if IU tries any of that this year. Very good stuff. Uh, IU grad Mark says, any idea the longest time between signing, quote, normal high school recruits has been for IU? Looking at people scheduling officials for this fall would mean we haven't signed a kid. We are recruiting out of high school for nearly two years. I think Newton was the last one. Uh, just seems abnormally long, even in the age of speed dating to me. I think Mbako was um, a high school signee, correct, technically? He, um, he is, yeah. I think I know where Mark's going with this, and 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 right. and, and it goes. It, it, I, the long term, the long. I can't think of a time. I know this much. I look back. Cody Zeller didn't sign until November of of his senior year of high school, and that was after they had a two person class with uh, Sheehy and Oladipo. I think a lot of it's just a matter of I'm. I, I get. I get where you, where we're going with this because it's been a long time since we've seen a long term investment pay off. Like we're doing great on the scratch offs. We're just not doing really good on the on the on the on the five on the five number tickets. I think the key to watch is where do these guys end up? And I think that you know I think I've said it you know before in a community conversation we were having on on um, on recruiting momentum. I think Thanksgiving is our drop dead. Like when you look at Thanksgiving and if you see like ninety percent of IU's targets have gone elsewhere. Then it's like, you know, I think Mike Weemoth and I'll be looking at you going, well, this didn't go as we were hoping. And that's when you're not, you're not worried, but you're thinking a little bit more about it. Yeah, I, I think, too, um, part of the reason is you're in year three, um, you know, and to develop those long-term relationships where someone's going to sign in the spring mm-hmm. or sign in the summer, um, you know, takes a little time in relationships and and really you have newton and you had hood shafino is only the two what you could call traditional recruitments that weren't you know um you know Mbaco went uh to duke first and uh bates went to texas first Bate, so texas. we've been really good at that and then we grabbed renew was at florida first so we've been good at those those short-term things but i think it takes time to build relationships and the continuity of the staff and again i think that's probably where coach woodson has come in from the pro game to the college game and kind of maybe was a little slow to the speed of what needs to be uh, done and, and what his efforts were to be. But I think now he's totally understanding of, of where we need to be. The next two classes will tell. Uh, traditionally, though, it was November signing for most classes, though, right, Bob? Even back in, yeah. in our day, everyone waited. They may have committed. Um, well, the commitment well, could come at any time. Signing, signing is always in November. The technical signing the com- is in November. But the commitment is but- probably what IU grads talking about. I- I'm going to put it this way: You're an 18 year old kid, and your phone's blowing up. And your question is: If you're if you're if you're if you're Trent Sisley, are you hoping it's Kenya Hunter saying hi, how you doing, or the cute girl in algebra class? You know, it, it, one time, I th- one thing that's hard to do when you start thinking about recruiting: There's 16, 17, 18 year old boys. They've got a you know, they're 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 picking a college. They're trying to pick a program that works for them. They may not you know, they're not even in decision mode yet. And they've got a lot, you know, and at this point, you know, it's like, I, I think a lot of this is 
there's a process to this. And think about when you picked your college, when you finally said it's time for me to go someplace. I think coaches a lot like me, the minute the acceptance letter from IU came said, when do I get to go? Yeah, but when you're a, when when you're a Division One college basketball player, especially in the top fifty, uh, in you know, in the most elite sport we can think of, that's a hard uh, it. They're they're going to take their time on it and still you know still do still do the things that teenagers do. And our final question is from uh, Jim Tom Hoosier. He says, uh, "Which player do you think will have a breakout season? Can't pick Geronimo." <laughs> I I'm going to say CJ Gunn. I'm going to say CJ Gunn. Um, I think that, that that that's that it, it, to me. I think he's going to be the one. It's you're going to see like wow, who you know, compared last year, the, his pat his first year to his second year, it's going to be a huge, a huge difference. I, I cannot argue with that, but I, I'm going to go with a little bit maybe of a surprise is uh, Malik Renew. Uh, I, I think hmm. sometimes it's like you know the, everyone likes the backup quarterback, everyone likes the transfers in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they like those types of guys, and they forget about. The fact that Malik Renew is a really outstanding basketball player, and I think he's going to grow into a role that maybe a lot of people think he'll have a similar role as a freshman, but I think he might grow into a lead role. So I'm going to pick uh, Malik uh, Renew for um, breakout um, player this year. Well, that's going to do it uh, for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights. For this live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thanks to John Ringer for RigDesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Hey, the show's over. Here I come, Coach Tonsoni. <laughs> All right. That, that, that'll do it. Bob, thanks for uh, joining us. Really good oh, to talk hoops with you. Um, Any, anytime, Coach. It's, 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 always, it's always a great use of my 90 minutes, and it also means my dog doesn't get to hear it as much. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> always good. It's just – I, I am cautiously, I've been cautiously excited the last three years, but you know, just the talent level is better. Uh, I think we saw it. We, we talked about that. The, the tempo is getting better. The rebounding potential is getting better. We just have to see it actually come together. And sometimes that's difficult. Um, and that doesn't mean the players aren't trying, the coaches aren't trying to it. You know, it's not just because uh, they're talented, they're going to play well. We hope so, though. That's yeah, that's my thing, and I mean, it's I, I'm I'm fully expecting this game. Sometimes they're going to look like a, a potential national championship, and then four days later, they're going to look like this is a team that will that should lose in the first round of the NIT if they make it. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's 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 like I'm kind of just preparing myself for that sort of up and down season. I think in the aggregate, we're going to feel better about this team than we did the last two. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm thinking that's our best case scenario is that don't talk, don't talk about where we are in December. Look at where we are in March. I think I'm going to say all year this is a tournament team. They just have to find, they just have to find that, they just have to find themselves in it. But it's, it's so, 
the best thing, you know, again, we all know the best thing about freshmen, they become sophomores, but sophomores become juniors, you know, that, that age, that experience, that youthfulness, it's, it's not, it's, it, it, it can always, it can be very frustrating to coach through. And we really haven't seen Mike Woodson have to deal with that yet. Yeah. He's used had pretty more, more or less he's had veteran squads. So it's gonna be interesting to see how those, how, and I'm sure he can do it. I'm sure he's going to show us that he can do it, but I think it's something that we're going to be watching moving forward. Where, where, where you feel comfortable with Coach Woodson is in the NBA, you got player turnover every year. But in the NBA, you don't generally play your rookies either. You play veterans mm-hmm. or you sign a veteran who has had some experience which you can rely on, right? So there mm-hmm. is a little bit of a learning curve for all of us coaches when you have, you know, at the high school level, when you replace, you know, three seniors uh, and your leading mm-hmm. scorer with a good sophomore – you understand that there are going to be nights when that sophomore plays really well, and then that there are going to be nights where that sophomore doesn't play well, and you have to coach that youthful team a lot different than you had to do with that uh, that mm-hmm. veteran team, and so that's something that uh, you know you you trust Coach Woodson to be ready for. But again, it's different than the pros, um, mm-hmm. and, and so all of these things are out there. But the roster, to me, that we went through tonight. Has, is better and has a, a good chunk of potential to be reached um, that we haven't seen for a while. And regardless uh, of where Indiana, I think the recruiting is leading to the program being where it can compete at a higher level on a national stage going Pretty forward. Much. It's in that direction. We we look a lot more like Alabama, Auburn, yeah, Texas than we do – Purdue, Wisconsin, and even, you know, or, you know, and, and, you know, give me another one of the big 10 Minnesota, you know, we, we look, we look like a team that, 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 that's, that's a national team. We look like a team that's, you know, when you start talking about elite eights and sweet 16s, those are the teams that are there and the ones that really kind of show those things. And so, I mean, I, I, and, and again, man, anymore, we're watching these tournaments and you're the bracketologist and so you tell, you tell me, but it's, it's like that eight seed, that nine seed. It's, I don't know if it's, ha- it, it just, it doesn't feel like it's more frequent, but we've had, you know, two 16 upsets in the last, what, four years. We're seeing there's a leveling of the game. And by the time you get to March, yeah, the seedings definitely still matter. But this year, I mean, the, the, the best seed in the tournament, the best seed in the final four is a four seed. Yeah, and it wasn't it, because it wasn't because the bracketologists got it wrong. It wasn't because the, it's just because teams are that good. You know, all year long you want to be ranked in the top twenty-five, right? You feel pretty good mm-hmm. about your program if you if you break the top twenty-five and it's on your your Twitter bio and your Instagram page. We're nineteenth. Well, mm-hmm. if, if you're nineteenth in the country, you're a five seed. You're a five seed. Yeah, and I'll tell you, nineteen can beat a one or two or three ranked team at any time, and that's mm-hmm. the thing that opened my eyes with the bracketology uh, all those years ago when I started was that um, if you're a seven seed, you're in the top twenty eight of the whole country. Mm-hmm. So seven plays a two in the first weekend. If the seven wins mm-hmm. their first game, the two play. You know. That, that's a 7-2 matchup to get to the Sweet 16. That's not guaranteed. That's why, you know, getting to that Sweet 16 is special. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even if you look at your top 10 seed, go 1 through 10, that's your top 40 teams in all of Division One. Yeah. Um, obviously, teams in the 30s are not as good as your top 10 teams, but they're capable athletes of on a one-and-done situation of, of – mm-hmm. of, 
winning a basketball game. That's why, you know, I don't put a Final Four or a national championship as the only way a season can be successful because you can have a successful season just run into a roadblock. We know that all too well with 2013 uh-huh. uh, team. Um, you know, you, you want to be able to be a consistent winner and a consistent uh, participant in that second weekend or the Final Four if you can get there. Um, but you got to you got to start somewhere, and I, I'm I'm pretty pleased with where Indiana is at this time. I, so I talk a lot about being the top two percent of college basketball. Yep. Then that's that one through eight seed that or the 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 the, the ones in the two seeds. That's and that's where we want to be. You know, that's where we want to be more times than not, and knowing that you're never going to stay there forever. You know, you fluctuate a bit. Yep. All righty, my friend. That'll do it. Uh, I'm gonna get this off to Ari so he can publish it. Uh, I thank you. All right. Uh, good luck getting back to school and and doing all those fun things. Um, and before you know it, we'll, we'll see uh, those balls bouncing on that hardwood. Uh, it's coming. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to New York or not. If I have some time to take and go see the Hoosiers play in New York, that's my big decision in the, in the fall, man, you only live once. If you got a chance to do it, do it. (laughs) I know. Especially that time, especially that time of year. Take the yeah. wife to Rockefeller Center. She'd love it. It'd be awesome. So, all right, my friend. All right. Good we will see you, see you uh, soon. Be safe. Uh, thanks, everyone, for watching. Uh, have a good weekend. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.